prophecy, we see uh, do this and this is what you'll get. We see this is what happens when you don't. And we see uh, tonight ultimately what God does for humanity because he loves us so much. And I hope that uh, this will be a blessing for you tonight. Uh, just to get us kind of back into the thought, Isaiah chapter 29 uh, begins with this woe to Ariel. Ariel is the altar of God. It was basically a nickname for Jerusalem. The problem with that uh, was that the reason why the Lord wants to use this in this time is because what was happening with his people Year after year, they were doing the things that they were supposed to do, and they put the altar, the, the sacrifices on the altar, and they had uh, year to year these feasts, and they came around, and they were just so disheartened by it. It, it wasn't anything except going through the motions. It was something that they knew they had to do, and because of that, uh, we see in verse 4, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 29, 4, you shall be brought down. But God, in his awesome wisdom, he gives them this mini prophecy to look at. He says in verses 5 uh, through 8 that there's going to be, uh, they're going to see, really it starts in verse 3. He says, I'll lay siege against you with a mound and raise up siege works against you. Uh, I will speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be low out of the dust. Uh, verse 5, he says, Moreover, the multitude of your foes shall be like uh, the fine dust and the multitudes of terrible ones like chafe that passes away. What he's talking about here is what we uh, talked about before. And Eric's going to be proud of me. He didn't even have to help me with it. And I hope I don't mess it up now that I said this. But Sennacherib, am I right? Okay, great. Sennacherib is the Assyrian king that is going to surround Jerusalem just a few chapters from now. And what's going to happen is this scary thought, this uh, situation that imposes Jerusalem that they may be overtaken and they go to sleep and they wake up and they are gone. God shows up and God shows out. Who will fight against Mount Zion is what the end of verse 8 says. A miracle that happens for them and they still will not believe. They still will not turn from their wickedness. There is a problem in Israel. What is the problem? They're blind. Verse 9 says, pause and wonder. Or literally, it means shock yourselves and be shocked. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets. And he has covered your heads, namely the seers. He said people had blinded themselves. And they liked it that way. But this problem was astonishing and it was appalling to Isaiah. It was appalling and it was something that made the Lord very displeased. 
And I asked this question several weeks ago, is this truth, this being blind and not listening to the truth, is this astonishing? Is this appalling to us? Does it bother us as brethren? Rather than seeing, rather than knowing, rather than comprehending the truth, God's people would rather remain in darkness, not knowing what seeing looks like, not knowing what comprehending looks like, but simply living a delusion and it was just fine that way. And you remember I talked about what Jesus said in John three nineteen. Why was it that humanity does that? And here's the truth. And man, it rocks us to the core because we love darkness. They were staggering. They were behaving foolishly but not because they're drunk, because they were walking in absolute darkness. Sin had overtaken the nation. Brethren, there's a problem there. There's a problem in Jesus's day and there's a problem now. And you know what it is? Sin. Verse 11 and 12 explain it even further. Verse 11 says, the whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who literally uh, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. This story still just is, is, is astounding to me. It's like giving the person the Bible, you remember, and saying, look, check this out. I want you to read this because this is going to tell you how to live. This will give you eternal life. And the book is, the Bible's closed and I hand it to the person and they say, no, man, I can't do it because the book's closed. Well, open it up. No, I can't because the book's closed, see? Now, how silly does that sound? But that is what God thinks of people who have turned their eyes upon the Lord. They didn't want to put forward any effort to find out the will of the Lord. The people were indifferent. They could care less to God's word and they had become lazy and they had really, and this is a sad situation and brethren, don't ever let yourself get to this point. They were disinterested. But verse 13 really is the kicker to the whole story. The people were acting like they did care. They drew near to God, but they only did it with their mouths. They honored him, but they only did it with their lips. See, it was an act. They had that mask. They were talking the talk, oh yeah, but their words suggested that they weren't really lazy, but their hearts showed otherwise. This was really happening. And this is the condemnation that was about to happen to them. Ultimately, we know that these people go off into a faraway land. We know that their hearts don't turn to the Lord and they end up in a place where they don't know, they're not familiar with. But they had no passion. See, they had no desire they could just really care less about the things of God because I checked my list and I'm good to go. 
I want to skip verse 14 for just a second and getting us back to where we were for just a minute, but we'll come back to it. But in verse 15, Isaiah exposes the wickedness of human hearts. And I really want you to think about this. Look at what verse 15 says. It says, woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? The people said, who sees us? Who knows what we're doing? Brethren, you want to know what that is? That is the lie of sin. We think that no one's going to know what we're doing, right? We think that our sins will have no effect on ourselves nor on anybody else because we can hide it so good. See, nobody really knows what I'm doing. Why? Because I love the darkness. Can't nobody see it there. But this thinking reveals our determination really and truly to be our own master. Amen? We want to live our sinful ways thinking that there will be no consequences. Because see, I'm the boss. I'll be able to justify when it's too much. I'll be able to say, oh man, you crossed the line, Matt. You need to back it up a little bit. See, we want to be in charge of our lives. We want to be the one to control whether we really sinned or whether we really didn't. We want to be the ruler of our lives. Wow. No wonder the Bible says, no wonder Isaiah says to these people in verse 16, surely you have things turned all around. And this is where we left off several weeks ago. And I want you to consider this statement. Sin causes us to live life completely turned around. Sin causes us to live a life completely turned around the wrong way. Who do we think we are? Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? Look at what it says. Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it? He made it not, he did not make me. Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it? He has no understanding. Listen to the arrogant, arrogant and brethren, don't think that if you have wrapped yourself up in sin and you are living a fake life that you don't have some arrogance about you because that's what comes with sin is arrogance because you now have made yourself the boss and nobody else can tell you what to do. What a scary place to be. The first thing that this verse says is, can the thing made say to the maker, he did not make me. Of course, the created cannot deny the creator, right? But is that us? Is our sin causing us to live? Matt, I'm a Christian, man. I'm a Christian, me and Eddie and Dwayne was talking about this article that I got. I just had to grab it. 
And it was the, the concept of once saved, always saved. So once I'm saved, then I'm always saved. And the author of this article said that, see, if you're really a Christian, then you don't sin. You're not going to mess up because you've really dedicated your life to live like you're supposed to live. But there's no way that if you do sin that you'll ever not be a Christian. Because see, what happens is if you do mess up, then it's okay. Because really, it doesn't matter anyway. Because you're already saved. What? See, I don't even understand that. See, he said basically there's a loophole. And you don't want to use the loophole. You don't want to continue to sin because you're already saved. But if you do continue to sin, it's okay. You're still going to be saved. Now, what kind of hot mess is that getting cooked up? It's a hot mess. But think about what's happening here. Is sin causing our lives to be turned all around? Are we blinding ourselves? Are we not seeking the Lord and acting like we're master over our lives, but then in, in our mind really thinking, you know what, if I sin, it's okay. It doesn't really matter because I'm not going to go to hell. Hell is a real place that people are going to go who are separated from God. Brethren, does it bother us? This is something that registers in our mind that I don't want to go to that place. Jesus referred to it a place, this place as a place that there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. But the second thing he says in this verse is, can the thing formed say to the one who formed it, he has no understanding? Who do we think we are to suggest that our creator doesn't know what he's doing. Do we have more wisdom than God? We act like it when we do not seek to learn his ways, amen? And try to be masters over our own lives. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone proud in heart, here it is, is an abomination to the Lord. Why? Because God knows what it's going to do to you. See, though you join forces, what do you do? Hey, we'll team up. We'll do this together, right? We'll make it work. You concoct your own plans and you do it your own way. And no matter how you do it, how does it always end up? The wrong way. The Bible says that no one will go unpunished when they have a proud heart. But look at verse 14. It says, therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom 
of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Do you remember the marvelous thing that God had done for his people? He opened up the Red Sea and they walked across it. Do you remember the marvelous thing that God did when he fed them manna, food from heaven? Do you remember the marvelous thing when they go into the promised land, they take it over and it's theirs. Something that the Lord is going to do will be marvelous once again. And he's going to deal with the problem. He's going to deal with sin once and for all. See, the wisdom and understanding of these people, their people, the wise men in Jesus' day, whoever it was, somebody who was the wisest man thinking in their own ways, they will not be able to understand what's about to happen. Their wisdom shall perish and their understanding will be hidden. They won't speak up. So how will this problem be resolved? How will this problem be fixed? Brethren, do you see it? Are you hearing it? Look with me, if you will, at verse 17. Look at verse 17. He says, is it... it, Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest? Give me one second. Got sweat dripping in my eyeballs. I was trying to hold it out. I just couldn't do it, y'all. Let me read it one more time. Sorry. Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest? Think about this thought. Think about this thought, really, for just a second. How can God get rid of the problem of sin? Isaiah says that in a little while... The trees of Lebanon. You remember Solomon went and got these trees from Lebanon. These cedars in Lebanon on this mountain were a miraculous thing to see. They were plentiful. And Isaiah says that in a little while, the trees of Lebanon will be turned into a fruitful field. And this fruitful field will be considered a forest. Can we see the illustration? Symbolically speaking, the cedars of Lebanon were plentiful, yeah? But they would all be turned into a fruitful field. And the fruitful field will be so large that it will be considered a forest. Now watch this. Jesus in John chapter 15 verse 5 says this. I'm the vine and you're the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him does what, brethren? Bears much fruit. You want to know what Isaiah is talking about right here? You want to know what fixes the problem? When somebody enters a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and is added to the body of Christ. It's the church. It's the kingdom. See, in just a little while, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see fruit that people are bearing. Think about the millions of Christians that have bared fruit over the years, brethren. 
You think that's a lot of fruit? Huh? How much fruit is right here in this building right now? What about over at all the other congregation? If you added up all the fruit that's being bared right now, how big would it be? Would it be like a forest? Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Isaiah says, it is not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest. Verse 18 says, in that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book. The eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to nothing. The scornful one is consumed and all who watch for iniquity are cut off. Who make a man an offender by a word and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate and turn aside the just by empty words. Verse 22 says, therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. God is going to do something in that day. Verse 18 the deaf will hear the words of the book. Also, out of the gloom of darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. You remember what Jesus said when he went into the synagogue and he grabbed the book of Isaiah and he said, today in your hearing, this is fulfilled. The blind are about to see and the poor are about to be helped. The poor will glory in the Holy One of Israel. This great reversal is about to occur. It doesn't happen for a little while. Yeah, we know that. But this prophecy is coming. This understanding of this problem being fixed. Because brethren, we know that it continues to occur, doesn't it? We all sin and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's a problem Jesus took care of that situation. And Satan now has a problem because death no longer has power over us. Amen. See, the great reversal occurs in God's true people, the children of God, they will hear the words of the Lord. See, God's word isn't blah, blah, blah. They will desire to read it. They will not blind themselves by ignoring it. They will come out of the darkness and their blind eyes will see the glory of the Lord. Brethren, when we think about our lives, is that us? God's people will not be arrogant in their knowledge of their ways. They will not act like they are masters of their lives. They will find joy after joy in the Lord and glory in the living God. These people will not be put to shame and they'll have nothing to fear. I want to re read verses 22 through 24. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face grow pale. But when he sees his children... The work of my hands in his midst, 
they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complained will learn doctrine. Brethren, we're reading the prophecy of the church, the kingdom of Christ, and the annihilation of the sin problem. These are the works of God's hands. We have been molded and formed by our creator to be his workmanship, as we talked about this morning. We will honor God and we will keep his name holy. Isn't that right, brethren? Be holy as he is holy. We will stand in awe of who he is. We will give him the reverence that he only deserves. See God in this time. What a sad feeling. Like a father whose child could care less about him. Mocks him at every breath. Makes fun of him for telling him what to do. God, all he wants to do is be the leader of the life. All God wants to do is be the one that they turn to when they're hurting and they need somebody to hold on to. But yet they don't want that. But see, in the church, that's who we go to, amen? See, that's who I lean on when I'm struggling. That's who I want to be around when times are tough. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Because you guard me and you protect me. You are my shepherd. You are the one that cares for me. This is what God has called us to be. The final verse gives us great hope since all have been wicked in our hearts like those in Isaiah's day. Verse 24 says, these also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complain will learn doctrine. This is the gospel message. Even if we are erred in spirit, we can come to understanding. Amen? If we have, you know, I, I think about my life and I think about all the mess that I've been a part of. It's flat out embarrassing. But I came to an understanding that all that can be gone. See, I was one who complained and said, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to listen to those rules. I want to do it my way. But see, I missed the point. Because when I learned the truth, when I understood why I was supposed to do those things, it changed my life forever. See, I learned the real doctrine. If we've complained, if we've done it our own way, our whole lives, see, we still can learn the truth. We can learn the doctrine that saves and pulls people from darkness. 
and blindness. Christ is the light which is shining into this world and into our hearts. The question is, will we listen to his words? I want to finish with this. Ephesians chapter 5. Will you turn there with me? Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to read it. I'm not even going to elaborate on it. I know y'all are probably happy about that, but I'm not going to expound on it. I just want to read it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Look at what the word says. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and for whatever makes manifest is light. And brethren, let this be your verse. Let this be your charge for the week. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Bright light. So you can handle all the problems that you face. Brethren, I love you, and I hope that you have a great week. I hope that you're strong. I hope that you're courageous. I hope that you make an impact on somebody for God's glory. I love you guys so very much, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this family right here because I feel the love in return. As James said early this morning, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It is not in vain. God sees it and he loves you for it. If you need prayers, please come and we'll pray with you. But if you need to obey the gospel, if you need to become his child, tonight's the night. Repent of your sins and turn from your ways. Confess his name. Saying that you believe that Jesus is the son of God. Be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins and be added to his family. And Jesus said that if you'll be faithful to him, he'll give you a crown of life. What an awesome thing. Brethren, let's be light this week as we stand and as we sing.